The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Wolf. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Dan Hoffman, the Assistant City Manager for the City of Gainesville, Florida. Hi, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us on AI Today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hi, Dan. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role as an Assistant City Manager. So I'm the assistant city manager for Gainesville, Florida. In a lot of cities, that can mean a number of different things. In a college town like Gainesville, which is home to the University of Florida, it means that I, in essence, run a big chunk of the day-to-day operations that keep the city humming. So I oversee transportation. It's about a 130-bus fleet with about 200 drivers. I oversee public works, and that's a variety of different things, from mosquito control to road repair, signs and markings, kind of the stormwater management, trash pickup, kind of the stuff that happens in the background that makes cities livable. And then also I oversee planning and development and economic development. So in COVID times, that has been a lot of stimulus types of programs, designing new programs to help residents. And that's one of the curveballs of being an assistant city manager these days. You're really having to learn on the fly, not just ingest new technologies that might be coming along, because I also oversee a department of technology in my current role, but also trying to figure out how we adapt in a post-COVID world and still provide the same services to residents. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because, you know, people may not be familiar with the mechanics, if you will, of how local governments work. You know, we on the AI Today podcast, we spend a lot of time interviewing folks at large enterprises. We've spent a lot of time talking to government agencies at sort of the national, federal level and international level, a lot of different organizations. We haven't really spent much time looking at sort of the local government, which is kind of like, you think of it as like a small, medium business, maybe a medium-sized business, you know, in the grand scheme of things, maybe large, some cities, maybe large enterprises. But I would say from your perspective, you know, how have you seen automation and advanced data analytics and artificial intelligence playing an increasing role in local government? And by the way, for our listeners, part of the reason why we are so thrilled and excited to have Dan here participating in this podcast is he's going to be speaking on this subject at the Data for AI conference that is going on this upcoming week. So for your listening to this podcast, it's going on during the week that you're listening to this will be live during the conference week, September 14th through 18th. 2020. And if you're interested in the conference and hearing what Dan has to say on his panel, go to dataaiconf.com. But so yeah, Dan, I mean, maybe maybe some highlights of what you're going to be sharing at the conference and some glimpses as to how those technologies are impacting at the local government level. So a lot of what I'm going to be talking about is how, you know, from a local government's perspective and how we're actually trying to figure out ways to even put the tool in the toolbox. There are lots of products out there that we can buy. And we bought some of them as a local government. We've bought products that help do facial recognition to help us, you know, catch people who've committed crimes. We are working with autonomous vehicles and real-time analytics to try to improve the safety of intersections for pedestrians and cyclists. But a lot of the questions we get and the hurdles we face are less about technology at our level and more about people. 
how does the public view these tools? So our elected officials are continually asking us to come up with new policies, answer questions about how do we use these tools, but at the same time, protect the privacy and security of residents. Those are the biggest questions we have to face. Now, the tools and the types of things that we are using, you know, that's uh, as a local government, we don't have the resources to hire, you know, the type of people that, you know, Amazon and Microsoft and big companies do. We don't have that brain trust. Gainesville is a little unique in that we have a preeminence. I think uh, University of Florida is either number six or number seven in ranked by, as a public university. They have a huge computer science program there. We've been able to go in and win grants from the National Science Foundation of upwards of $2 million to use AI tools to help us build out some of these products. So we're a little bit unique. Otherwise, we could not afford the talent to implement these tools. We'd be very vendor dependent. And that's not a great situation for any local government. It's interesting you bring that up because I, you know, as Ron mentioned on our AI Today podcast, we work with government on a national level, but at our Data for AI conference, we do have some state and local panels as well. And you'll be participating on that. We're really looking forward to getting your perspective. So from a city level and local government and then state level as well, what are some of the challenges? I think in general, (laughs) there's a challenge with the people and getting qualified people on board, no matter who you are. But it's interesting, you know, from a state and local perspective, a local government perspective, how are you approaching technologies such as machine learning and artificial intelligence and looking to adopt them? So we are having to create a lot of policies on the fly. In any local jurisdiction in the country, we are subject to a variety of public information rules. And none of them were written with AI or machine learning in mind. We have to document, and it has to be auditable in many cases, you know, why certain actions or why certain decisions were made. So even if we just buy an off-the-shelf product, we, for example, use something called Clearview AI, which got a lot of attention in the media not too long ago about how it was being used by police departments. We are now having to... <laughs> After our elected body found out that we were using it, they had a lot of questions. We're now having to write a policy around how, when, and why we use it and what specifically the algorithm or the tool, how it comes to the determinations it comes to. That's incredibly difficult because most of that is proprietary information for the vendor that we're buying the product from. And it's not something we can build ourselves. So if we're going to actually provide the benefits of these tools to residents, our elected officials are the ones that are saying, hold on, wait a minute, we need controls in place. We need to put things in place that will allow the residents of the city to feel comfortable with their use. I know we're going to face that as well with autonomous vehicles. Gainesville is currently operating an autonomous vehicle through a joint project with the state of Florida and the University of Florida and Easy Mile. We've gotten numerous questions about how the data is being collected and how it's being used and what decisions we're making with it. And then there's the extra public information layer that says, well, all of it's public. If you're gathering information about our residents, it's public. How do we protect that information if we're collecting data at a volume and a variety and a velocity that we've never had to deal with before. We've talked, you know, for years, the conversation was about big data and those three V's, volume, velocity, variety. Now there's another layer and that's decision-making that 
machine learning and AI are taking all of that and making decisions. So we have to figure out a policy, not just around something like storage, but we have to figure out policies around why the machine does what the machine does. And we've never done anything like that before in local government. Yeah, that's a topic that just continues to come up. You know, we're 160 plus episodes here on AI today. And the topic of like ethics and transparency and responsible AI continues to come up because, you know, maybe in the past we maybe thought of computer systems as, you know, well, there's a programmer and that programmer programmed it to do something. And yeah, programs have bugs. And of course, they have security issues. We're all dealing with that. But you can always go back to the programmer and say, well, why did you make that decision? Why is this rule done? Why is this functionality this? But when a machine is learning from data and you're just using data and using data to learn from data, you get all these issues. And it's funny because you get these issues at every level. You know, we hear this at the national level, the international level. Now we're hearing it at the state and local level. So I think that's, you know, really intriguing that like, you know, this is such an open issue. Everybody's facing it. And you brought up so many things. You brought up autonomous vehicles. You brought up facial recognition. And you might think, oh, we're having a conversation with the manager of a city at, at Florida. How could these issues come up? But actually, they were the first issues you brought up. So this is really very intriguing that you're facing these sort of big challenges overall. When, and because we're trying to, you know, there are if you look at the way the National Science Foundation is providing grants and NSF brings me up, they, to this day, they still bring me up to review their applications. The reason why they consult with me on that is they want to make sure that the research dollars they're spending or giving to universities is bringing their research closer to cities, closer to local governments. So they want to know what challenges are you facing and how do we fund solutions to those challenges? So for any university researcher folks that listen to this podcast, do not just give the National Science Foundation a form letter from your city saying the city supports our research. You need to really substantively engage with your cities. Get Make sure you're talking to a director, an ACM, an assistant city manager, or a city manager about how the research can be integrated into the operations. We're doing that with our Vision Zero grant. We, like every other city in the country, is struggling with pedestrian and cyclist fatalities in a built environment that was designed for cars. We're trying to figure out how now to incorporate many modes of transportation. We're building AI tools to help us detect dangerous intersections before someone gets hit by using video as a sensor, by using AI, by using a fused set of data sources at the intersection to build risk profiles in real time. You know, that's the kind of thing that a forward thinking city with access to a university and even cities without a university like UF in their jurisdiction can find a partner somewhere. Those are the types of things that if they engage with NSF, if they engage with a university, if they approach things thoughtfully, they can start ingesting these tools and helping really the rest of the country. Because what we do in Gainesville will benefit other people, which is why I'm I'm happy to do it. I'm actually leaving the city of Gainesville. My last day is uh, next Friday. I'm going to go be the city manager of Winchester, Virginia. But I know the work that I'm doing here in Gainesville that we've kicked off here will eventually benefit the residents of Winchester. So the more active and engaged local government officials can be in using these tools and exploring their validity, the better we'll all be. Yeah, you know, it's really great that you bring that up. Ron and I have interviewed some people from National Science Foundation and actually at our Data for AI Week conference, we have a few folks from the National Science Foundation 
So we have some people who have worked with grants in the past, and then some people who help kind of issue those grants and are on the receiving end. And then we have the CDO slash CIO, Dorothy Aronson of the National Science Foundation delivering a keynote. So kind of just, you know, from the top down how it works. So it's interesting that you bring that up. And you're right. I think that people need to be engaged and talk on on all different levels, which is why we wanted to bring in more of that state and local government as well, because sometimes the initiatives can be a little bit different than at the federal level, but still just as important. Yeah. And we have access to things that most at the federal level, they don't really have a lot of access to. We run bus systems. We pick up trash. We have fire trucks. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have the tools. We have the infrastructure that we can open up to whether it's a startup that has a product or uh, it could be a large company that's doing a proof of concept. I was just actually, I've been engaged with Hitachi a little bit over the last month or so as they've been developing a product, giving them some feedback and input on, you know, on their wireframes and their use cases for something that they're developing. And they, I think, smartly realized that we needed folks out in the field. And if this product is actually going to be viable, we need access to the things that only local government has. Yeah, I think that that's definitely like one of the key. There's a lot of key differences between <laughs> state, local, and federal governments for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it. Now that, of course, state and local governments have to balance their budgets too, which is another big difference. But like, you know, I think, you know, sort of getting a little to some of those, the, the challenges, you know, you sort of hinted about this earlier. And that is that some of the unique challenges that local governments face when implementing AI solutions have to do with, of course, the people. And that's attracting AI talent. And we actually had a conversation about this even before this podcast started about some of the differences between you know, starting a business, for example, in the AI space and say starting up another rideshare company. There's some critical differences, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's some things you were facing, right? So maybe talk to us a little bit about some of that, the talent crunch and some of the, the challenges of making AI machine learning and, and even advanced data analytics and, and big data, all that sort of stuff, you know, making those solutions a reality at the local level. So I think local governments, you know, unless you're one of the big, I'll call them one of the big sexy cities, unless you're Boston, New York, uh, Chicago, LA, you know, unless you're one of those, you're going to struggle to maintain top tier tech talent. You know, a city like Washington, DC can bring in somebody who, you know, from the private sector who wants to have, you know, to, to lead technology for a major city for a while and leverage their private sector expertise. Gainesville is never going to have that capability. I'm, the city of Gainesville has been trying to hire a director of technology for the last ooh, six months, and we've not been successful because it's really difficult to get somebody that understands local government and technology. So for us, it's about building a pool of talent with excellent foundational skills, a strong GIS team, for example. A lot of cities, particularly mid-sized and small cities, they might have one really skilled GIS analyst, and that's it. But yet GIS is the foundation for so much of what a city needs to do because a city is all about place. It's all about location. Where are people? Where are assets? Where do we need to move assets? Um, and deploying assets. I mean, that's a foundational element that I need a strong pool of talent. I'm never going to have a full stack developer working for me at a city. That's just never going to happen because they're, I'm never going to be able to pay them enough. But what I do need to have are folks that when I purchase the tool that that developer has built, 
I need folks that can maintain it, that can operate it, that can troubleshoot it, that can have an intelligent conversation with the vendor and give feedback to the vendor. A lot of what I did in my previous job with Montgomery County, Maryland was working with software companies to try to figure out what kind of skills do we need to have in place in order to effectively use the tools they were selling. And sometimes that meant co-development agreements. Sometimes it meant creating entirely new job descriptions. We're doing that. We did that for our autonomous vehicle project here in Gainesville. We needed, we had to create entirely new job descriptions. So we're on the fly having to figure some of these things out while at the same time attract, you know, that foundational talent. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's interesting to discuss this because I think that everybody runs into some of these issues just on different levels. You know, some smaller companies struggle because bigger companies attract that talent. And then just in general, I think there's a shortage of this talent. So everybody's kind of fighting for this limited resource pool. So it's especially in, and I'll jump in real quick, especially in domain specific areas. That is probably the biggest challenge for us. Having someone that understands, you know, the latest public safety radio technology that understands next gen 911 and FirstNet. Those people don't exist. Like you can't, you're having to train your people. You can't go out and hire those folks typically or someone that understands how to design a route for an autonomous vehicle. I'm not, I mean, that's entirely new. Fire and rescue, you know, get someone that understands fire and rescue tech, you know, that I'm never going to be able to afford to hire those people, but they know, but getting, identifying people that have the skills, those foundational skills, and then teaching them about the domain that they're in, whether it's fire and rescue, police, solid waste management. It's how do you apply those skills to the different domains? Because a city is like a massive corporation. You know, in the city of Gainesville, I oversee almost 600 people across what is four or five different lines of business across the entire city. It's probably 12, it's 1100 people across 11 to 12 very different lines of business. You would never design a company like a city is designed where you've got something like parks and recreation and then police. You know, that would be like Microsoft also running a chain of hamburger stores. So it doesn't, you don't, it just doesn't, you have to, managing a local government is an entirely different animal and applying technology to every domain we have to run is a challenge. Yeah, you know, that's really good points. And I'm very much looking forward to your panel. I know there's going to be a lot of good conversation. So for our listeners that are listening and have have already registered for the event, make sure to check it out. And if you haven't, you can watch it on replay. So Dan, we always like to end our podcast with this final note. What do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations, governments, and beyond? That's a good question. I'm a big fan of Noah Yuval Harari's books, and uh, but I try not to get too like weirdly post-apocalyptic in my thinking when it comes or dystopian and thinking about what will happen with AI in the future. I tend to be an optimist, but I think we also have to be very realistic about the future as it comes to workforce and workforce development. There is the a very real potential that you know we will in sometime in the next. 10 to 15 years. So well within the useful life of most of the large capital projects a local city is building. You know, we any garage I build is a is going to have a 30 to 40 year lifespan. I build a fire station, it needs to last 40 or 50 years. I think it's very realistic that in the next 15 to 20 years we face a serious employment issue with so many different 
types of jobs, types of careers becoming completely obsolete. We've seen that incrementally over time as new technology is introduced. But I think we have the potential because of AI to not only see significant benefits to society, but also a significant shift. There could be an entire class of unemployable people whose skills are obsolete that we need to retrain that, you know, in essence, they need to reboot halfway through their working life. And that's going to be a huge challenge for a society that really values bootstrapping and lean startup types of mentalities, but at the same time has an education system that really has not kept up over the last hundred years. So I'm cautiously optimistic, let's say, about how AI will impact cities and, and the populace in the future. Yeah, I think that's something that's another one of those common themes here at AI Today. Our, our listeners will, will be very familiar with this idea of like the new workforce and the future. And is AI a thing that's going to move us towards more automation and take people out of the workforce? Or is it actually going to enable a whole new category of jobs? And actually, we have a whole... I, I encourage all of our listeners to listen to our AI is not a job killer, it's a job creator. We actually uh, talk about it. It's uh, something we job category killer, as we say, uh, in our Forbes article that we wrote on this subject. So, Dan, you've been yeah. fantastic. I mean, this is great. People probably would never have thought that all the ideas, the common ideas of AI that we spent all of these years talking about, these themes keep coming up. So I really wanted to thank you so much for joining, sharing with us on the podcast, your insights, a little preview for those who are going to come to the conference, what you're going to mm-hmm. be talking about there, but really wanted to thank you so much for being so generous with your time and sharing with our listeners your fabulous insights. Thank you, Kathleen. Thank you, Ron. It's great to to hear you guys again. I look forward to reconnecting with you, hopefully in person when I'm back up in the D.C. region. Absolutely. You you guys have always been great to to chat with and, and muse about these things. Oh, absolutely. We're looking forward to reconnecting when you're up here and it's safe to do so. So, <laughs> yes. And Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. This really was an awesome podcast. And listeners, we hope that you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, as well as a link to Dan's panel during our Data for AI conference. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.